You're listening to Peace in Lovecast, a podcast about music, lyrics, and life lessons inspired by D'Angelo. With yours truly, Odelia. Influenced by Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, and the Delta Blues of the 1920s, Rocco DeLuca is a self-taught musician from California, USA. His sound has been described as raw, confessional, and bluesy, with a brooding and ethereal tone. He has released at least four projects, including collaborative solo albums, scored a number of films, and there is one soundtrack in particular that is the reason for this discussion, the soundtrack for Rockstar Games Red Dead Redemption 2, featuring artists like Willie Nelson, Rihanna Giddens, and our favorite, D'Angelo. Welcome to Peace and Love Cast, Rocco. Man, thank you very much for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. I like to give a series of four statements, and you have to choose one or the other. And if for some reason both of them apply to you, you have to explain why. Got you. Leading or submitting? Both. Um, maybe spent the last 12 years in a more yielding uh, submitting phase of music and uh, meaning working with other people and just trying to provide for them what would help them. First stages of my music, um, I had my own record deal and was touring for years with uh, my own camp. So I was definitely kind of leading, orchestrating, or came in with uh, an objective usually. And then my friends and I just hit it together. Same thing, both in studio and, and performing live. And then other times, maybe even the almost the last 12 years, I've been it'd be more more of a yielding or submissive role in my in music next one business or pleasure gosh you know i have fun when the quality of what we're doing is really good the business has never been an issue for me i always thought it was fun if you could completely ignore it um because then you were really free to to get good at something it's a hard thing to do but if you can pull it off somehow it makes your craft uh kind of the lead motive in your existence. And, uh, and that's when I start having fun. I can't relax hanging out so much, you know? There's usually, yeah. I'm usually cultivating some idea or something from any kind of experience. So when I connect things, ideas or things come together for me, that's when I start having fun. Humanity or spirituality? Again, both because <laughs> because it's it's both are needed. If you if you isolate them, you'll you'll run into a wall on each one. Humanity is important because we got to keep our our humor and our oddities yeah. and celebrate them and and uh, and really appreciate that whatever's different about everybody. A lot of the times you'll you'll see throughout history. Should you depend too much on reason or matter, mm -hmm. then uh, what ends up happening is, is you hit another wall. And it doesn't allow the imagination to leap and it and, um, suffocates hope in a way. But, I mean, there's so many levels of that in people. Um, yes. And I find that my favorite authors and anyone who expresses themselves usually has a little bit of both in them. Yeah. I think you have a little bit of both of you. <laughs> I mean, you need common sense to, to do some <laughs> important things, right? Um, people talk about helping other people, but they have no common sense with, with the information. And, right. and that annoys a lot of a certain kind of mind. And then if it's too pragmatic, well, mm -hmm. that just ends in wherever the mind ends. And that's, if that is a limited, if reasoning is limited, then you're going to end up in, with a limited uh, outcome. Right. Well said. So this next one, I hope that maybe perhaps you can choose one, but it's fine if I vote again. This one <laughs> I did, I, I picked particularly for you. Oh, nice. Yes. Grassroots mm -hmm. or Sonic Futurism. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> I have to pick both again because I see the value of, you said Sonic Futurism, correct? Yes. Yeah, big time. That's a big one. Um, when I think of that, as a musician, I think of fidelity. Uh -huh. I think of um, hyper 
information in a meeting it's very close to you you can almost walk through it or touch it it might it might even have a 3d effect to it to me that's a really lovely thing when i hear someone achieve that for modern modern music it's probably my favorite approach anyways if i were to think of it as an approach um now grassroots is what i know (laughs) yeah i had to learn modernism i learned that Because once you're able to measure things against each other, when when you can really learn why something is special. But with grassroots, it's the beginning. It's 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 what I love about every art form, which is I'm not worried about. Uh, okay, I live in Los Angeles, and when I talk to other people, sometimes they'll tell me about their manager, their agent, their lawyer, who likes them, who they hang out with, uh, what scene would click, da, da, da. I won't hear about the music or the, or the book or the, the, you know, I won't hear much about that. And when I think of grassroots, I think of someone who's only got that. Ah, and that, okay. that makes me know that their, their motives in check and therefore I'm, I'm in, if it's happening, I'm in Yeah, and want to help. It gives people a chance to help too, because they discover it, you know. Yeah. And, and discovery is a missing element in today's network. Um, wow, bar discovery is a missing element in today's network. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you that's know, like a very poetic way of putting it. I mean, truly, if something from your territory or something that was very unique has been exploited, and now everybody has access to it which is great for so many things, obviously, that there's so yeah. many benefits. I wouldn't even know where to begin. But but the one thing that, that is happening is, is there's kind of like a, a buffet happening and no one really focuses on anything individually anymore. It's kind of uh, what was once a very special thing from a special place is now in the lexicon for everybody. They might not know why, why or where it's from. And that's fine, too. But what, it, what ends up happening is, is after that buffet's been made, then people in the network can all of a sudden, they just get on that, on that track. Mm-hmm. And all of the little details that made it so beautiful are kind of lost, meaning it loses meaning. Yeah. You may gain um, a formula, but you're going to lose meaning if you don't really get down of why it was there, where it came from, the purpose behind it. I totally follow that. Okay, last one. Peace or love? Mm, love. Um, wow, okay, wait, pause before, pause, pause, pause before you go into why, which technically you're not, you don't need to because you, you chose it definitively. But you are the first person, the first guest I've had who chose one of them. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I would like you to elaborate. You're going to bring a little bit here. Uh, well, you know, I've heard a lot of speeches regarding peace and they didn't hit home to me. I didn't, I didn't feel anything from them. I thought it was the ones that I've heard and I'm speaking on a local level, not, not the masters, you know, I'm just talking about in, maybe in the neighborhood or, or cruising around. Um, when people speak on peace, maybe they just, it doesn't go that deep and I haven't been affected. Um, whereas love to me is the primary thing in all existence for something to even be created. You could call that love a, a nurturing of things, a, a coming together of whatever elements are needed for a, for a creation, for matter to happen. Yes. And, and so to me, that's love, the bonding of all of these smaller particles, bonding of, of, of everything is love. And, all acts of kind. I think peace is derived from love is what I'm trying to say. I think that's the, that's the tree and peace would be one of the branches. Wow. Rocco, you totally get it, man. You totally get it. Um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I always wish both for folks, peace and love. Yes. But absolutely right. Love is it. Love is it. Um, Between the two and peace uh, um, is a beautiful a beautiful expression of, expression of that yes yes exactly very well said okay and shout out to what i thought were birds chirping in the background <laughs> it might have been <laughs> <laughs> the backyard's the quietest here 
<laughs> okay, let's get into it. Yeah. So, can we talk about your album titles? I feel like most of these titles, as well as your music, has a spiritual thread to it. So I wanted you to talk a little bit about each of the albums as you list them in whatever order is relevant to you. Out of the records that I've made, Odelia? Yes, that okay. you've made. Or been a part of, anyways. Um, gosh, right. that's a tough one because um, for me, it's a tough one. I always believe at the moment I'm making something that is right or I wouldn't do it, you know? And um, right. But then when I'm done, I'm done. You know? Ah. And... Um, it's hard for me to go back and even even listen, to be honest. Really? Yes. Well, yes. I, I can kind of relate because after I'm finished editing an <laughs> episode, mm -hmm. I don't I don't listen to it again. <laughs> right. That's it. That's it. You had the moment, yeah. Okay, so let me let me read out some of these titles mm -hmm. and so that our listeners can kind of hear this thread mm -hmm. that I'm hearing. You know, when you were together with your group, Rocco, DeLuca, and The Burden, mm -hmm. you released two albums, correct? Yes. Yes, okay. two records with, with the boys, yes. So the first one was I Trust You to Kill Me, mm -hmm. 2006, mm -hmm. and Mercy in 2009. Mm -hmm. Now, of your solo albums, there's Drugs and Hymns, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite from 2012. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, there's the self-titled Rock of Luca that you released in 2014. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that you, or I think that you started collaborating with um, Daniel Lenoir on your Mercy album when that, you were with The Burden, right? Correct. correct. That's correct. Okay. So then you also collaborate on another project with him called Goodbye to Language in 2016. Yes. During those periods, especially, there was different things on the table. So like the very first album, which which was I Trust You To Kill Me. And I knew it was coming for me. And it did. It happened. <laughs> you know, I, I, I said, I'm going to give myself to this. And I'm going to go with these particular friends. There's some great people on that record. And uh, the drummer, Ryan Carmen, was a dear friend since I was a younger kid. We did that record at Ironworks, which was a... a startup label i was completely grassroots prior to that really just playing like uh, a consistent club or two for for a few years um finally got the chance to make a record and really wanted to just give it a shot and i really just dove into it but at the time they had a plan as well because they were starting a new label so they really wanted to launch everything and i wasn't used to all that promotion <laughs> or <laughs> all of that weird attention huh. i like attention sometimes but it, i like it to be for for you know something you've worked on or something uh you have that you think you're contributing as opposed yeah. to just you know i mean I, I think i was everywhere for a while you know it was like vh1 and touring the world and big buses and the whole thing man it was like yeah it was wild and i didn't fare so well in it I enjoyed playing every night for people and I loved talking to people afterwards. And um, I really liked making connection with people. I found out very quickly that, that that was something that was very easy for me and made me feel better all the time when I connected with people. What happened was everything else was bigger than that. So I quit and I jumped out. I didn't like where it was all going. Um, we ended up making one more record, which was Mercy. Daniel Lenoir had come to a show of mine. At the time, it was a lot of fun. And uh, he came down and watched me play. I played solo with an old resonator guitar. It's a slide guitar. And mm -hmm. um, he sat front row and sang every line with me as if he knew the songs. Next thing I know, wow. we were making a record together. And, and uh, I, I, I saw a new path where I could learn a little bit, you know, about sonics. And that's, you mentioned that kind of element. That's where I was hoping to just, you know, expand a little bit yeah. and make, make new friends. We made Mercy and that, that ended my time with my record company because they were not into the record and didn't support it. Uh, but I toured it anyways. Then I figured, well, that, that might be over. And there are some great people at that record company, by the way. There was a few that I just didn't get along with. Our visions didn't align. And um, I felt I was being bullied a bit at times. So I, I split. And I had to, I just stopped that train in its tracks and then started working with Dan from there on out for, for about 12 years. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned Goodbye to Language, that was a very special record because we had had the opportunity to play together live when he was on tour with his projects like Flesh and Machine and what was it, uh, Black Dub, Black Dub. I would support those shows while we were kind of working together as well. And um, every once in a while, we get to play both steel guitars together. And I thought that yeah. was that was really a sound I was in my, that was in my imagination for a very long time. And we did that for a few years before we even made Goodbye to Language. And, uh, and then we finally it went down. And I was very happy that that would go down, that record. But uh, yeah, after that, I made a few more things with, with, uh, with Lenoir. And then now I'm on my own again. Now, you mentioned the resonator guitar earlier, and mm -hmm. you just mentioned playing steel guitar with um, Daniel Lenoir. Mm -hmm. We're going to get into your instruments uh, a little bit later, but mm -hmm. first, I want to talk about uh, your voice. So when I listen to your voice, it has a like a particular quality in it. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, was heartened that your earlier influences include women of color um, who use their talents, in my opinion, to reflect the human condition during their time on Earth. So I wanted to ask you, what was it exactly about voices like Billie Holiday and Nina Simone that led you to explore music, to teach yourself how to play at a young age, I think it was seven? Yeah, well, I was only that young because there was a, a few instruments around. And my dad, who was around at the time, had left a few instruments around. His brothers had instruments around. So... Um, the record collection was great and the instruments around were really cool that piano, you know, nice beat up piano in the garage. And, um, I was living with my grandmother. My grandmother took care of me and she raised me, but the instruments sometimes just ended up over at her house. So, so that was kind of, that was kind of cool. And I got to hear some great records from my uncles and, and uh, their, their friends. Some of the albums that made the most sense to me were uh, usually these voices that had, such quality to them that I couldn't even describe it. And then at, over the years, if you listen to a beautiful instrument like those voices you mentioned, they just get deeper and deeper. Um, yeah. It's like, uh, it's the most special gift to the planet. I, I, I hope everybody understands how beautiful that is and what it took yeah. to get there. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it has so much meaning to me that, yeah, I, can, I consider it like a, the sounding board of the earth almost it's 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 everything um yeah when i think of skip james his guitar playing and, and the way he sang um he's right there with it too there's a there's a tone that i have a, a, my ears have always perked up to um and it's a hollow deep sound i think about that for both voice and for uh maybe steel guitar I think they, they get close, but the voice is the one. I've never achieved it myself. I've had nice moments where I can feel that kind of settle into myself a bit. Usually it takes many hours of pushing through something, and then all of a sudden you're with it. I've had that happen a few times, but mostly I think if, if I listen back to myself singing on, on those earlier records, I, I, I have a hard time hearing it. Um, mm -hmm. I hear a little bit of athleticism in it sometimes. Like uh, I'm pushing hard. Okay, let me let me let me uh, say this properly. Um, I instead of achieving or trying to relate to you something, instead of just relating it to you simply, I I, I hear it in me sometimes where I'm. It's like a. I'm trying to push over the top on it, you know, I'm trying to really send it home. And, and, and I believed in what I was doing. It wasn't a false uh, sentiment, but my technique wasn't there. I was, I was too raw in a lot of things. Because of that, it's hard for me to hear. That's impressive for you to critique yourself like that. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, it's very easy for me because when I hear it, I, I, I my body reacts. Ah, Okay, and um, and I'm not saying it's you know I, I'm burning the records or anything, but as you grow, I think I guess it would be like if I wrote you a poem when I was seven, you know, mm -hmm. and then and that might even be superior, probably, because uh, <laughs> it's more pure yeah. and like yeah, <laughs> you know, when I think about it, forget it. 
but every stage does matter and I honor every stage because there are qualities that I've lost that I wish I had back as well. You know, and there's also in all those records, there's a lot of hope and optimism that there's a new way. I just felt, uh, you know, a lot of people feel like maybe their their tribe isn't there, you know, or they might not belong to anything in particular, you know, so you're just kind of floating in the sea. That's fine, too. Um, And I felt a lot of those things making those records and the campaigns that followed. Yeah. Wow. I kind of feel like I'm I'm definitely relating a lot to what you're saying, but in the context of this podcast, because prior to it, I did not feel like I had a tribe or I belonged to something. But there mm-hmm. was some, there were things that interested me. Mm-hmm. Then I started speaking about it, mm-hmm. I guess using my voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then other people and things started to become attracted to that because they also, you know, were compelled by the same things. And then that's how like this kind of took off. Mm-hmm. So, I'm very intentional about the people that I invite on here, and I'm so glad <laughs> that you're here. Oh my god! Okay, Woo! okay. So let's talk about the resonated guitar. You know, there's there's different versions of it. Um, you have a lap style, and then you have a like a Spanish style or regular guitar um, that you would play a slide on, and on your lap you would play um, you would play a steel bar maybe. And um, when I say resonator guitar, I usually mean the Spanish style, the one you would hold up like a regular guitar. But usually what that implies is that it has a special tuning, maybe an open tuning and a a particular approach with the slide. Um, And uh, I really fell into that um, open tunings from both, uh, uh, I would say, the southern part of the United States and also from the hills. the Blue Mountains, Appalachians, and all of the yeah. all of the modal tunings up there. Between those those two worlds, I found such a beautiful expression on that instrument for myself. Just just really enjoyed where the things that was conjuring um, for me, even very young. I just made it a purpose to to kind of um, dedicate myself to it for a while, you know, and just wanted to sing and play with that instrument. And I, I really really was a nice thing to do because it it focused at me for sure. I feel like it produces this like a distinctive tone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um that's like commonly used in, you know, bluegrass and blues music and that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like, you know, y- your music in a in a modern, I guess contem- contemporary context is put into like certain categories. So I've heard your music referred to as indie rock as alternative rock, blues <laughs> rock, you know what I'm saying? I think it's making just music for me. Because uh, if you, I don't even have an indie rock record, you know? Um, and I've heard myself described like that as well. Not meaning I wouldn't have one. I just, I collect old folk records or steel guitar records, you know? Or, right. uh, or there's certain kinds of records I'll I'll search out um, and, and bolster that little, little collection. But um, as far as uh, uh, a genre... You know, it was always my dream um, to, it was a, like a little little goal I had was to take a, a traditional form and to push it forward and to contribute something to it, see it in a new light as if it was brand new, um, but not take away its center because that's what makes it stand up. I, I, I really wanted to find a place where I could take folk music and all of its beauty and all of its storytelling and make it modern and make it matter to my generation or, or people around me anyways. I, I, I always would try to do that and, and had a lot of battles trying to get that across to some people and, and didn't achieve it a lot of the times. Ended up with something completely different. And, but every once in a while I did it and it may not have even been anything that was popular, but I, I could, it, it happened that maybe in an evening at, at a show or it just, you know, it happened somewhere and I could feel it. And I was like, that's, that's the sound. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's like everything lights up and I know I'm onto something new, especially when people don't understand it right away. <laughs> oh, that's like the key indicator. Trust me. That's yeah. what I know. That's what I know. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, 
not to like okay so this so going back to talking about this podcast again peace and love cast when i first introduced the concept of um a podcast about music lyrics and life lessons inspired by d'angelo i think people got the idea that you know everything that i'll be talking about is just about d'angelo but it is his artistry and his musicality that influenced me to want to go down these different pathways and talk about different things that are important to me yes so initially people did not get it and didn't think that it would go pretty far because it's like oh you know like you said before this limited like reasoning or mindset but I was like, okay, I'm going to show you. Just yeah. I'm going with this. <laughs> yes, yes. And it takes that. It really does take that to get up and do that. So, you know, push it through and see and follow it through. And yes. just see if your hunch was on, you know. It's worth it. It's worth it to see that. It's definitely worth it. And, you know, talking about your, your folk comment, folk music. Folk music is so special to me. I mean, it has different expressions. And me being South American, the way it is expressed there, it comes out in forms like calypso or mm -hmm. something we call gentle music. Yes. And it's really like a form of storytelling mm -hmm. and stripped down instrumentation. So, like, when I hear it in other forms or expressions, it also resonates with me. So I feel like that's probably part of the reason why, like, your music also resonates with me because there's like this thread there of like spirituality and things that I'm like familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I just wanted to put that there. I love it. You know, that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's 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 those it's the storytelling of it, and and also the getting rid of all. I want to say I don't know what the right word is. But to, to get rid of things we don't need, you know, when, when a person comes up to help or to tell a story or to do anything that it just it kind of the folk music got right to the heart of the matter, usually. And, yes. I, and and that's what I always appreciate about the forum. And I, I, I know it'll continue because that's been the way since the beginning, I think. Um, but uh, it's interesting because um, there's different ways to tell stories and uh that that's always been the one that was kind of the center to me more of like the well from which everything you know comes from yeah now to me your music has this i, I want to say like existential tint to it and when we first talked about um it, i mentioned that it kind of you know sits at this intersection as i mentioned before of humanity and spirituality and mm -hmm. it's like a crossroads that i've I've touched on several times throughout the podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember your response to me when I when I said that? What did I say? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> you said that it wasn't intentional, but there is a spiritual zenith in every culture that you seek through your music. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were talking about um, particular regions and what they have to offer. I yes. remember. Um, if you read a book about Oklahoma, you're going to find out all these great players and artists that came from that territory and if you if you study the delta you're obviously going to run into diamond after diamond gem after gem if you study texas like i was mentioning before the hills all of the all of the the appalachian kentucky all, all of the the beautiful beautiful modal music that came from the mountains um and then and then you go to the west coast and you've got a whole different completely different collision of cultures and and sounds that came from from that experiment and those were regional and beautiful and um the southwest has its own its own feeling you know and the desert has its own feeling i i find that that people of similar geographies around mm -hmm. the world are closer together than their very neighbors you huh. know um mountain uh. people understand mountain people and desert okay. people understand desert things, you know? Yeah. Um, there is a, a recognition and a geography and climate that, that bonds people more than the distance. It's probably like an elemental sort of force. It's an elemental thing, exactly. Yeah. Cold, cold weather people understand things, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and desert people have, have a way, you know? There's a way. It's a totally. efficiency and economy in these, you know, and a beauty in this, uh, keeping it lean and, 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 and also uh, uh, treasuring life because it's so, so sparse. And, uh, you know, uh, I find that in the cities, banging cities that are really hopping and everything's going, 
they they speak a certain language and roll a certain way and have a certain kind of yeah. music to them as well. Yes. That's an interesting perspective. Um, but anyways, really- region. Uh, there's a certain <laughs> kind of, uh, if we talk music, then there's um, there's a, uh, a connection um, with territories and the things that they had to go through. Every 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 territory had its own story, its own people who came to it, its own people that were always there, its own animals and and and, and its varieties is what makes that music. And yeah. you hear it in the language. You also mentioned having played with a group called Liberate Elemental Forces at the Philosophical Research Society, right? Is yes. that a lecture hall that you said has the best collection of esoteric books? Yeah, it was a Manly P. Hall's collection. <laughs> I just love being around albums and books. Do you like that too? Like just seeing them I, on the in libraries and on the wall. And, I like records. I love so, fun. I love albums because they tell such stories. Look, the, the artwork and the, oh the, yeah, it's just so fun to watch that thing spin and hear those sounds. It's magic to me still. And reading the liner notes and all that mm-hmm. artwork. I love it all. So, can you talk about? those types of unique experiences that you've had, like playing at this uh, hall and like oh, more yeah. broadly about like how you, like where you draw your energy and inspiration from for your own work. Right. Um, what's cool about playing with uh, uh, LEF is it gives me a chance to uh, Brian Chan and Evan Harris and Astara and Dane. These are great people. And they, um, they allow me to sit in with them and really, really get into the form with them. Um, my friend Evan and Brian Chan here in Los Angeles, they've been studying Raga for a long time and um, very devoted to the to it for a very long time. So playing with them is nothing to me. I mean, it's second nature to me or or, or what's the right term? It's 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 very easy. It's, let me just say it's easy. Uh-huh. And um, um and we go places that I would normally not get to go most of the time because you're moving on a particular rock and that's the focus. So it gets very strong and intense and it's beautiful. Um, whereas if I was playing with uh, other artists or, or, you know, they bring out different things in me. Mm-hmm. And, and I usually find out I'll try to give what I feel like if their strength is something that I'm good at too, I try to find... Um, maybe something else that I can do to help them then, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, and what, through that process, I'll, I'll develop another muscle, you know? Yes. We did an album called heavy sun and it was a four part harmony trip. And that was really amazing because every day I, I came and, and sang with four people every day and we, we found parts and, I was interesting, you know, it was another muscle developing. I could hear parts more clearly in the harmony and uh, yeah. be able to move it around a little better. And um, that was, uh, yeah, those kinds of things are really, really great. When you play with other people, it'll bring out different, different things in yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, can you just give a, a brief description of what raga music is? This would be Northern India, um, traditional classical music. Each region of India has, each territory has its own story. You know, that's pretty much it. And, and goes about it slightly different, you know. So uh, that study is very deep. I could, I could go deeper and I, and I want to. I hope to go to India one day and get to play with some of these people. Um, and to feel that magic and feel that culture. Like, I would love to do that one day. I almost did twice and I canceled my ticket twice because of some wow. dumb record. I, I made a couple of dumb records and I wish I had just went to India. <laughs> went to India. Well, maybe a third time is the charm. If the opportunity mm-hmm. comes around the third time, mm-hmm. maybe that would be the time. Also for, um, for slide or steel guitar, or you mentioned the baritone guitar. That's yeah. one of the most precious instruments I've ever owned. It's the most unique one I've ever owned. And my friend Pavel Meslovic, He's from Poland. He's a luthier. And um, he made that instrument for me. And it's, wow. it's, the, it's a very unique and deep instrument. So for, for that kind of music, it, it lends itself really well. So speaking of your music, uh, you have 
songs with lots of lyrics. You have songs that are made up of just one line, the loops. You have straight up instrumentals. You've done movie scores and soundtracks and things of that nature. Like, what are some of the scores or films that you've uh, contributed to? Um, they, I guess you're the most proud of or that you want to share with us. Man, it's a, I've done quite a bit. Um, like a lot of people, and I guess in town, I'm, I'm, I don't work on a lot of folk stuff. I don't just jump on anything. I definitely, I have jumped on things for necessity and tried to make make it better, you know. Or, yeah. Or, um, but mostly, a, it's usually from an invitation from from a close friend or somebody who approaches me. Um, with a vision in their mind that I can get with it. Uh, uh, and I really enjoy that. It's one of my favorite things to do. And uh, um, I've done some motorcycle films, which is fun. Um, as I ride myself and I was, had some great friends that would take me out on long rides and stuff and ended up uh, scoring a, a motorcycle movie called 21 days under the sky. Um and that, that had a dear friend named Troy Critchlow who was in that movie, and he's passed away. And uh, uh, that's a that was a big one for me to do just because of my connection with Troy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Michael Schmidt was the director of that film and uh, a great photographer. And so the connection with those guys was, was, you know, why I did that. And then all the other great people that were in the film. Uh, so that was nice. Because there was meaning behind it, because I, I yeah. believed in the people that were involved with it. Um, so that wasn't a fun, you know, that wasn't something I phoned in. That was something that I really enjoyed just helping with. Uh, um, and there's there's a new film. I, I don't even know if I can. Well, yeah, I, I've been working on some stuff that's coming out that okay. I don't even think I can br bring up, but it's the biggest stuff I've ever been involved with in my life regarding its, its outreach. Um, cool. So I'm hoping that that comes to fruition soon. And um, uh, I've done a lot of little indie films, you know, that I really enjoy too. Okay. Well, that was a good little list there. So mm -hmm. we'll take it. Now, the Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack collaboration between you and Danielle Lenoir is unique because it wasn't for a film but it was for a video game. Right. And it won Best Soundtracks for at the 2018 Game Awards. Mm -hmm. And selections from it were performed at the 2021 Tribeca Film Festival, mm -hmm. uh, which I believe that year added the category for video games, right? I think so, yeah. So first I want to talk to you about your, your brilliant collaborative relationship with a legendary musician and producer like Daniel Lenoir, you know, who has worked with a lot of people like notable people like Bob Dylan and you too and you name it. So can yep. you talk about that? I mean, as you, as you mentioned, um, Dan was, did some of the biggest records, you know, and um, I was, I was always, you know, a fan of his playing and uh, of his sonics, like a lot of people are. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we, when we linked up, I thought, well, this is great because um, here's someone who could really, maybe understand what I'm, what I can contribute and help with actually. Cause I felt I could help with a lot of things moving forward, you know, um, yeah. with ideas and, uh, approaches and story. Um, and I did that with him for years and, um, it was, it was, it was, um, uh, wild ride, you know? Well, I wanted to read something that I came across when I was doing my deep dive on you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's something that he actually said about you. And, mm -hmm. and you may have heard this before, but I just wanted to read it for the record. So, and I quote, my initial meeting with Rocco was pure and centered and seemed to have a sense of purpose. And I felt that there was something burning in his heart that I could be helpful to. It had that kind of truth in it that I decided to run with. I like the street corner aspect of working with Rocco. It woke up a certain part of my renegade ways I'm trying to keep alive these days. I fully believe in DeLuca. I think that he's got the power to be a contemporary troubadour, as I see it. And I hope I can be his friend for a long time, whether I'm operating in the same light, 
ahead of him, behind him, in his shadows, whatever it takes, I'll be there. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I love about Rocco Duluca is he is driven by his own heart. That's how we met. That's it. That's exactly it. And I felt that with his music as well. So it was mutual. Yeah. Can you reflect on the process of creating the Red Dead Redemption 2 soundtrack? The material I had contributed, I was writing, or it already had written, um, and was, you know, uh, playing already even. Um, and then, um, they needed material for the project and, and, uh, these were the things that they heard from me and they, uh, ran with it, you know, and ended up recording those pieces I recorded. A, I wrote a song called that's the way it is. And then, um, a couple other little things. And, um, and then there was a chant I was playing, um, kind of a mantra, uh, yeah, and singing, and uh, and that was another piece. I, I do have stories from these that I can't even tell. I don't think I'm allowed to say anything. So it's just, I'm glad that the material got recorded and was able to be shared. I'll just say that, and I'm glad that D'Angelo got involved with that with that uh, track as well, because I've always been a huge fan of his voice and his approach and everything. Which which composition or lyrics came first? Because I know that you have a song called Crash of Worlds, which mm-hmm. is a song that I alluded to earlier, which is one line that is essentially looped. I don't know if that's the mantra mm-hmm. that you're talking about. That's the mantra, yeah. I would sing that I, and just play that. And um, I, I I would write down all kinds of beautiful mantras and things that I, that pieces of them and sometimes use use a line from something very, very old or a sentiment that was very old and, and switch it up a little bit um, to, to fit the, the rhythm of music, you know? Um, and so I, I really got to uh, enjoy playing this one mantra and in a time of need, when, when something was needed for that project, I presented that uh, okay. in a parking lot in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> if, and uh, that was it. It was off and running. I think we had like Cyril Neville and a few other greats in New Orleans uh, record a version of that that ended up on the record, which was the one I, I'm, uh, the 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 other version of that, which I think uh-huh. is um, one's called Crash of Worlds, the other one's called um, um, Unshaken. Unshaken, yeah. Yeah. So Crash of Worlds and Unshaken, they have similarities to me. Um, in the sound of it and some of the lyrics were similar. So that's why I was asking, yeah. like, what did Crash of Worlds lead to Unshaken? Uh, yes, or, yes. Okay. Uh, the folk version that you hear, whichever one they called that one, I can't remember which one it is, but um, that's the kind of the original. And uh-huh. then and then uh, Daniel and um, um, D'Angelo, they did their version uh, based on that as a, as the uh, template. Okay. So I don't know if you can clarify this for me, but I've been trying to figure out the actual lyrics for the Unshaken song. <laughs> and in the in the chorus, online at least, the lyrics say that it's, may I stand unshaken amid, amidst a crashing world, right? Mm-hmm. Now, to me, it sounds like D'Angelo is saying, may I stand unshaken mm-hmm. amid amidst the crash of the world, right? Mm-hmm. In in your in your chant mantra version, Crash of Worlds, which is the you know, the one line looped, mm-hmm. it it sounds like may I stand unshaken amidst amidst a crash of worlds. Mm-hmm. Do, can you clarify what is being said in the Unshaken song, or is it the same exact lyrics as Crash of Worlds, just in the Unshaken song? Which one of those I, is it? I, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It's subtle. It's subtle. But I think it's, I think that what you, the last thing you said was, was the intended one. Amid, amidst a Crash of Worlds. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I think that's the correct, the correct, uh, the correct version of it as people sing to sometimes the way they alliterate the words can be can be different exactly yeah i never could pinpoint like exactly what was being said now is the resonator guitar also played in the unshaken song 
Um, actually, let's see. What what do I have on that? And I have my um, I'm playing a, an electric guitar, but it's um, it's open tuned, uh, like a like a resonator, and I'm playing a little slide on that on that particular guitar. It's an old Les Paul guitar, Black Beauty, mm-hmm. and uh, open tuned. I think recorded right to a little tape machine. Really simple. Really simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it definitely gives this sort of modern hymnal feeling. Mm-hmm. Was that the was that the vibe that I think that's where they took it. Yeah. That's where they took it. And I, I was hoping it would go to a place like that. I was really proud of what they had done to the track. I thought they did some beautiful work on the song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like Unshaken, I mean, it's like the last single that was released from D'Angelo, but I feel like it can't be ranked with the rest of his stuff. I feel like it sort of stands on its own. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I was thinking to myself, listening to it, like, if this is where he's considering you to go, like the direction he's considering musically, like, I definitely would continue being a devoted listener. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Funny enough, um, I also um, interviewed... I think I mentioned this to you before, Enoch Armando King, who was a notable actor, and he played a role um, in a popular TV series called Atlanta, where they were sort of trying to like describe what the experience of D'Angelo is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, in that interview, which will also be aired this season, he talked about that song, Unshaken, which is influenced by your song, Crash World. Mm-hmm. And he's like, when he first heard the song, he had to pause it because he was like, what in the world is going on here? So I kind of feel like all of us are kind of pleasantly pleased with the direction that they took with that song. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just wanted to note that. It even has its own Wikipedia page. Wild. Like, a song has its own Wikipedia page? <laughs> That's cool. Well, you know, I mean, you know, the song is great, uh, but the the idea that I that I was having with with a piece of material like that was to you take a beautiful talent and then you instead of singing about surface things, you sing about you sing about deep things and you let it be you let it be heard. And um, and you push you push. I've always wanted to give. Uh, write music for for really um, special people, and and I, I I'd always hoped that one day I'd get to write a song for or with D'Angelo or something of that nature because he's so he's so beautiful. But um, um, my my whole thing was watching the current climate of music and seeing what the subject matter was for everything. Oh, yeah. I thought it was silly, and I still do. And I thought it was silly when I was a kid. I think it's silly now. So when I hear a talent like that sing about something deep, I, I, that's, that's always the whole, uh, that's the goal. That's Bob Marley. You know, that's, that's, that's every, that's Leonard Cohen. That's, that's, that's the poets, you know, singing about something. Um, but yeah, these great talents, I love it when they approach subject matter that's deep and it's not surface. That's, that's always my favorite. And I, I had always wished for a collaboration of that sort, you know. When I was reading the Wikipedia for it, I realized a very interesting detail. So for the record, this interview is being recorded on January 4th, 2023. And Unshaken was actually released on January 4th, 2019. Oh, wild. Yeah. Wild? Yeah. Super wild. Yeah, turning of a page. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Yep. And uh, the second parallel is something a little bit more personal that I wanted to share because I think it would be, I guess, the best way for me to do this. <laughs> this interview was originally scheduled, I believe, for the second, right? Um, and I had a trip plan that was supposed to happen later that was pushed up, a trip to the countryside um, that was pushed up. And I feel like one of the things for this year was to sort of put like myself and my personal like priorities first. Um, and so I was like, okay. I reached out to you to reschedule the interview um, because I wanted to actually spend that personal time, you know, with my partner, right? So yes. I reached out to you, um, asked if we can change it to the fourth and so that I can go and I can um, go out of town. Right. So, <laughs> so on, on January 1st, you know, we headed out in uh, the city into the country. Um, and the first day we spent, you know, just at the beach, Caribbean, Caribbean seaside of the country. And then the second day, which was the second, the original date we were supposed to record this interview, we were going to go to um, just like a natural site. It's called Los Cajones de Chame. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, it was it was literally the most perfect day. And nice. we, we were supposed to meet up with some friends. We couldn't find them at the beach. So we just kind of really took advantage of the alone time. And, you know, you know, as the day started to wind down, we decided, you know, let's head back before we get stuck on these dark country roads at night. So, we, you know, we're heading back, you know, we're driving through the mountains. Everything's great. And I was like, oh, this is this would be such a beautiful sunset. Mm -hmm. So I was like, we, we should consider taking like a little rest stop, you know, just get this, you know, enjoy the sunset and then head back into the city. But, you know, we kind of, you know, thought about it again. I was like, you know, we really don't really know these roads like that. So maybe it would be best for us to just get back before the sun actually sets. And, you know, we were both very relaxed and a little bit tired and sleepy and, and whatnot. And so, you know, we were trying our best to, like, get back safely and everything like that. So we, we get back into the city safely and um, just, just a little bit before we get back to back home, I like I feel like my partner and I are so connected that we sort of like influence each other in, in, in weird ways. So I I was trying my best to stay awake <laughs> <laughs> because I knew that, you know, that kind of energy could affect the driver. Mm -hmm. And I literally felt like both of us sort of lost consciousness at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we literally woke up like in a tree, like right. off the side of the street in a tree and um i just initially initially i felt like just like this envelope of silence around me and i was like trying to figure out what was coming what was happening and i felt like you know it was starting to smoke and i saw like this orange light and then i started hearing like sounds and stuff and i heard my partner saying like to get out of the car and I was doing that and like all of these people from the community started running to our rescue pretty much. And like several men were wow. like moving swiftly and like trying to turn the engine off before it sparked up. I had like my partner was telling my partner to get everything out the car and secure our things over here. And like there were women around me asking me like, you know, am I okay? Giving me water if I need anything, you know what I mean? And I had to like call the insurance company and my hands were like visibly shaking, like trying to dial. And like all these people were just like, okay, okay, take your time. Like you got it. Like, you know, do you need us to call and all this stuff like that? And we call them. And this is like a span of like four out four to five hours waiting for like the police, the ambulance, the tow truck, you know, the people to, to do the best breathalyzer test to see if we were like drinking alcohol, which we weren't. And <laughs> the police wow. were like, you know, like we were so lucky, like pretty much we were lucky three times because our car missed, there was a stone divider that it missed. It missed a stone bench and the tree saved us from running into the stone wall pretty much. And this was all like a couple of seconds. <laughs> so I guess after like several sort of uh, emotional exchanges between my partner and I and, and all that was happening, like, you know, people started to leave and we're there with kind of like the authorities, the police and that type of stuff, insurance mm -hmm. people. And so we finally got a chance to sit down on one of the stone benches. And for some reason, I opened up my phone and I and it opened to the podcast email. And the first message that I that I actually read was from you. Oh my gosh. And it said, Happy New Year, and that I'm looking forward to our conversation and bless. Wow. And I I smiled because I felt like those words looking forward had a deeper meaning. Mm -hmm. Um even your lyrics from Crash in the World has deeper meaning now for me. And for that reason, I'm going to be um, opening up season three with this episode because, I mean, who knows? Maybe this wouldn't, could possibly have not even happened, right? Right. Um, but Wow. Here. You just went through all that? <laughs> yes. I didn't realize. Wow. I didn't, this is the first time I'm actually saying it out to, um, like, saying it out <laughs> to anyone, really. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, this is a way for them to listen to the podcast and find out what happened as opposed to me, like living it over and over again right. with each person. But yeah, your message was definitely the first message that kind of brought me to in the fact that I'm like still here and there's work to do. Man, um, so that's I just wanted wow. to share that. I can't believe you went through all that the last time we talked. Oh my gosh. Yeah. In the span of a couple of days. I'm glad everything turned out all right. Nobody got too hurt. That was that's that's just you guys recovered pretty quick. I mean, Rocco, like we don't have any scratches. Normally, oh, there's wow. so many 
children and people playing in the area that our car went into. But because it was New Year's Day, no one was there. Everyone was out celebrating or in their home or whatever. So it was a clear, it was, it's normally a busy spot, but there was no one there. So the only thing that got uh, affected is, is the car. Wow. Yeah, that's really lucky. I'm so happy. I mean, that's more than luck. That's good. That's really good. That is really good. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, I'm glad we got to do this interview <laughs> because, uh, yeah, those are those things, you know, they brush up against us. They're, wow, what a reminder, huh? Yeah, it's probably my first reminder and definitely reminded me of some of the lyrics in your in your song in your song mm -hmm. um just about just about that reality mm -hmm. you know? um so yeah <laughs> wild I'm I'm, I'm I'm nervously laughing but i'm also like you know happy and grateful and all those things all those confusing emotions about everything yeah and I, still, I feel like i'm processing it you know like it yes you know? so yes it's only been like two days yeah it, it takes a while. It, it takes a while. Yeah. But wow, I'm glad you're okay. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I feel like um, it has definitely brought me closer to my partner because now I feel like, you know, the love is loving back to life in a sense, you know? Yeah. You know, if you go through something with somebody, I think that it, it strengthens the bond, you know, when you go through either, you know, an, a, an event like that or, hard times and you pull through together it strengthens the bond it's really really nice thing yeah for sure yeah. it's like indescribable yes yes exactly um so in a way i'm i'm, I'm looking forward as you said in your email to, to what's to come from this experience and i've always kind of i've always been a person that had a sense of urgency and that went after you know things that i want but now it's like Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like another level. Yes. Of that. Yes, that's it. Man, <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. So I guess uh may we all stand on shaken, right? About I think so. That's that's it. You know, things may come and you got to, you know, it, it's it's about it's about just holding, holding for the truth and holding for what you believe in. Even even against popularity, that's an important one for, for everyone to remember. You know, don't worry about what's popular. Worry about what's good, you know. Mm -hmm. And that'll always, that, that'll always stand the test. That'll always stand the test if you get with that. What I notice is if you can let go of everything, which is money and uh, uh, adulation, uh, for, you know, if you, can, if you can let go of certain things that, that might influence those things can be beneficial too by the way I, I i feel like it all ends up in the story and it's all valid but if that's the primary goal i've got only so many moons left and i'm not spending one more of it wasting on people uh, pushing that agenda ever again yeah. it has nothing to do with with art it has nothing to do with contribution put the people around you that that have that expertise or have that care or kindness even and kindness Yep. And, and that's your tribe. That's your crew. Peace and love. That's how, that's how it'll work is, is, is it starts blue. Like you mentioned before, uh, grassroots, it's a grassroots movement. And then all we got to do is put a magnifying glass on it, you know, oh, yeah. bang. And that's what this music thing does. Puts a magnifying glass on those, these little, little interactions between us and, and what, it, what's the meaning of what, where do we stand after it's all been said? And, you know, how do, how do we help? That's always been my question is how do I help best? I play these instruments and I write down these words in hopes that some will come together. But uh, I've always just really wanted to be a contributor and help in some way. Yeah. I, I wrote a song called I Quit Again uh, on a record that's coming out um, next year. It's uh, that it, I'm working with this artist from Shreveport, Louisiana named Johnny Shepard. He's a beautiful singer an organist and he comes from the hallelujah train which is a the hallelujah train yes if you get a chance to check that out check it out it's some of the best music in america yeah it'll be so the like, new project does the, does the new project have a name yes it's called mighty glad 
Mighty glad. Now that is quite a departure from the previous name. <laughs> it's a new day. It's a new chapter. Well, I am so glad that artists like you who actually understand the essence and the power of music push through regardless. And, you know, the, the few of us who, who get it on the other side, the few uh, devoted listeners, uh, we get blessed by that that artistry. And I'm thankful that you that the new year is, is blessed you already and you, and you survived the little lightning and uh, got through it. Thank you. I received that. Peace and love. <laughs>